Hello and welcome to Morbid Morsels. These are shorter weekly episodes where I tell you about bizarre snippets from history and fun and grisly stories and facts that didn't quite make it into last week's main episode. Think of them as definitions succinct and deranged younger sibling. A couple of weeks ago, you heard about the bizarre and mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. This week, we're moving out of the realm of the dark and delirious and segueing more into some of history's daftest demises. Hence why these particular episodes of Morbid Morsels will be known as, well, daft demises, if the shoe fits and all that. Across history, people have died in all sorts of weird and unbelievable ways, and we're going to take a look at some of the strangest. Last week on the main episode, we were talking about the sunken world of underwater graveyards, and so today I bring you the story of a drowning, but not as you might expect. I would like to assume, in my infinite hope, that you have heard of King Henry VIII. Large, ginger bloke, gout, lots of wives, not all of them with their heads still attached to their necks. Well, this isn't about him. See, Henry's throne came to him through the Wars of the Roses, the English Civil War that would see his father take the throne from Richard III. If you're familiar with Shakespeare, then you may know him as the hunchback, my kingdom for a horse guy, or the man that spent the last 500 years or so buried under a car park in Leicester. But no, this isn't about him either. Today's daft demise concerns Richard's brother, George Plantagenet, Duke of Clarence, and his rather unusual death. Born on the 21st of October, 1449, George was a man that would not be king. Both his elder brother Edward and younger brother Richard would bear the crown in their lifetimes, but not poor old George. It was a volatile time to be a contender for the throne of England, and George would find himself switching sides between his familial Yorkists and the Lancastrians for much of his life. He would even go so far as to run off to France against the wishes of his brother the king in order to marry his wife Isabel Neville, whose father had his own eyes on the royal prize. The crown, I mean, not the king. This isn't that kind of story. Sorry. After years of infighting both on and off the battlefield with his family, George's downfall would not come as the result of a coup or a rallying attempt at seizing the throne. No, it would be an unforeseen turn of events, born of grief and anger, and an inability to accept that sometimes terrible things just happen. The mortality rate for giving birth in the Middle Ages was extremely high. It's thought that around one in every 20 women who gave birth would have died, 
when you add to that the fact that people married a lot younger and that birth control wasn't really an option, then this statistic turns into a terrible trend. Germ theory wouldn't yet be discovered for hundreds of years yet, and obstetrics and gynaecology weren't even on the horizon. Pregnancy must have been a terrifying time for everyone involved. Without the ability we have today to run blood tests and ultrasounds, even if something did go wrong and mother or baby died, there's a very slim chance that they would be able to work out what had happened. And misunderstanding, the dark chasm in our knowledge, breeds fear. And fear breeds superstition. Not a huge amount is known about Anchorette Twinehoe. In fact, if not for the manner of her death, she may have been mostly forgotten by history. As one of Isabel Neville's ladies-in-waiting, it would have been her job to attend to her needs and keep her company, especially while she was pregnant. In the winter of 1476, just months after giving birth, George's wife Isabel passed away. The baby boy, who also passed, would have been the youngest of four had the couple not also lost their first child, Anne. Isabel had already survived these pregnancies, and so maybe her death came as a shock. Certainly, the accusation of poisoning lends itself to her dying seemingly out of the blue. What we do know is that George certainly did not believe this to be the result of an accident. He zeroed in on the widowed Anchorette Twinehoe and accused her of murder. Which, in and of itself, is perhaps not surprising. The death is sudden, the family are suspicious. Who has better access to carry out this dastardly deed than one of Isabel's own ladies in waiting? If you can accept this as somewhat rational, then the trouble really begins with what George did next. See, the Duke wasn't content to simply take his grievance to the courts and allow them to do their work. No. He demanded justice, and he demanded it now. As such, Anchorette was arrested on suspicion of murder, tried by a jury that George had put together, found guilty, and taken to the gallows to be hanged until dead. The thing is, this all took place within a matter of mere hours. And also, George had absolutely no authority to do this. It was this act of spontaneous vigilantism that would see the Duke locked up in the Tower of London. Yes, his brother was the king, but even then, and especially in this turbulent time, there was only so far his power could stretch. The unfounded hanging of a noblewoman was just that little bit too far out of reach. This, in reality, was also the cherry on top of the treason cake. The king had to act fast whenever rumours of treason began to circulate in order to secure his seat on the throne, especially when those rumours came from within his own family. There had been whispers for months that George had been plotting a rebellion against his brother, moving his son abroad in preparation for the coming fight, and, in this instance, the Duke clearly taking justice into his own hands, it was enough to seal his fate. 
The Duke of Clarence was only 28 years old when the date of his execution arrived on the 18th of February, 1478. And here's the part you've all been waiting for. See, it was common at the time that, unless it was to make a political statement, those enclosed in the Tower of London and who were of a higher rank would be granted a private execution away from the prying eyes of the public. It's in this unknown space that the strangest story of George Plantagenet sprung a leak. As opposed to being beheaded or dying a bloody, messy death, it was popular for the prisoner to be drowned, which was supposedly asked for at George's own behest. And not only did he ask to be drowned, he requested it to be done in a barrel of Malmsey wine. It's suggested that this may have been one last jab at his brother, the king, and about the open secret of his alcoholism. But the wine itself would have been expensive, so perhaps it was about status. Or maybe it's more of a metaphor to do with him drowning in his own excess and hunger for power and wealth. Or maybe George just had an inkling that this would be the kind of thing that would still have people talking about him centuries later. Morbid Morsels is an offshoot of the Definitions podcast, written, recorded and produced by me, Jasper Chanter. Rate, subscribe and join me over on TikTok for more history, horror and horrible delights. <laughs>